Hello, and welcome to the Makers.dev episode number seven. Chris, how is it going? And don't just tell me good. I need some juicy details. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, I painted my office, so that is done, which is great. Uh, I had some business lessons that I learned while painting too. So uh, kind of like your puzzle, I um, was painting and I thought, um, well, so there's a, a few things. One is, yeah, so when you put up a new wall, you want to do the drywall mud and then you need to sort of sand it and get it perfect before you put up the paint. Otherwise you see the mistakes. And I was doing like three, four or five coats of this drywall mud. And eventually I was just like, forget it. I'm going to paint it. And then if it's bad, I will drywall mud later. And uh, that totally worked uh, because paint covers a lot of like sins basically. And also uh, it also uh, really highlights where you need to mud. And so the business lesson is basically to just ship as soon as you have something uh, <laughs> that's sort of ready. Um, just just I was paint like, Screw over it. it. I'm ship. <laughs> just paint it. And, uh, and you, fi you fix the stuff that breaks. Yeah. So um, there's a lot more things I thought of too, but I definitely was like, yeah, forget it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just paint it and deal with it I love later. the mentality. Yeah. It's so easy to get caught up in, oh man, there, I, I have a, I have a, crunchy way of expressing this that I, I haven't fully digested yet, but it's, it's this idea of when you're asking an expert for advice, it's so easy to get caught up in all the minutia of like, oh, I need to know exactly what camera to get if I'm going to be a YouTuber and I need to know exactly what microphone and I have to, I have to make sure that I'm avoiding every single mistake you could possibly make before I even get started. And that's not how you be successful. You're successful by just going for it and like being okay with making mistakes. If, if you, it's sort of in my own process, I've noticed, I feel like when I get caught up in that minutia, it's like an anxious response to not being okay with things, not being perfect, that I need them to be perfect. And I can't go forward unless I'm absolutely sure it's perfect. And so for drywall, yeah, you know, if you're a contractor and you're doing drywall and you want to make sure that it's, you're going to guarantee that it's going to be great every single time. Yeah. You put up the putty, uh, cause you have your system for how to do that. And you, you got your putty guy who knows how to do it and you, you can streamline it. And you know, because of all the times that you've done it, that that's an activity that makes the most sense. And then, you know, if you're at a drywall convention and people ask you, Hey, what's, what's the secret to being a drywall person? You might say, Oh, drywall putty. That's the, that's the differentiating factor of that's, that's how my drywall is nice and smooth, but sort of the, the unexpressed perspective there is that's what's important to him right now. He's been a drywaller for two decades. And that's just like the most recent tip that he's come up with. But for you, who's asking that question, who's never drywalled anything before, the actual good advice, it, it would be, it would be much less interesting and uh, wouldn't be as snazzy for a, a discussion or something. The actual advice that you should give that person who's asking that question is, uh, the tips don't matter. Drywall, you know, a thousand feet of drywall, and then we'll talk about the tips and the, and the honing it. Uh, it's so easy. And I, I noticed this in myself more than anyone else. It's so easy to get caught up in like the refining it and the tips and the, Ooh, and the tweaks and the hacks, and I got to do this exactly perfectly when really just, just do it. <laughs> if it's bad, uh, that's fine. It's going to be bad the first hundred times you do it and then it'll start getting better and you can sort of pick up the, the tips on the way, but it's so much more important to, to just go forward. Uh, yeah. What, that, that's another, that's another painting lesson that I uh, was thinking about too, because I'm, I'm pretty good at trim and my wife isn't. And so 
whenever we paint, she's like, you do the trim because I'm terrible at it. And she just thinks I'm good at it. But the real answer is, or the real reason I'm good at it is because when I was 15, my dad made me trim the entire kitchen <laughs> and I had to do it like five times to get it right. <laughs> so I remember spending hours and hours and hours on this, you know, painting the ceiling basically. And, and that's what, that's what made me good at it. And so, yeah, same thing applies to software development. I was giving advice earlier today. Uh, someone wants to get good at software development and they want to do it so that they can make uh, a product. Right. And basically I was like, you just gotta right now optimize for learning and just do it. Just, just do a lot. And, you know, you may throw away what you build the first time, the second time, the third time, you know, but you just, you just keep doing it. There's, there's no substitute for, for just doing it for sure. I think we just found today's episode optimize for doing just do it a lot or optimize for optimize for learning. Just do it a lot. Uh, yeah, that's, right. that's uh, consistently good advice applicable to anything. Uh, that, that advice came up a bunch in the, the YouTuber class I was in yesterday. That's the advice that I give to people who are trying to learn to code. I think it absolutely applies to business. Uh, what's the absolute best marketing strategy? I, I don't know. Try them all. <laughs> And just see where it goes. And uh, to, to get to that point where you can try it all, it's sort of scary. You have to be comfortable making financial risks and you have to get comfortable mentally with failure. That's a difficult mental hurdle to, to get over, but that's the, the generic process for how you succeed. If you want to get better at X, you do X a whole bunch of times. You optimize for reducing the the cost of doing X and you you try to do X in a way where you're learning more about X every time you do it. Uh, oh, what are the, <laughs> philosophy chats with Chris and Christian. General life advice. There you go. That's right. Uh, how about you? How was your week? I had a week. Uh, I don't think I'm manic depressive and I don't think I have hypomania, but I've noticed in myself that I go through these swings of energy where some weeks I'll, I'll be very low energy and um, it's very easy for me to sort of like plow through. Okay. I don't, I don't really have the desire or energy to go and like pursue new projects. What am I going to do? Okay. But I'm going to do the stuff on the list that I said I was going to do. And then I have weeks like last week where my gosh, it feels like there's just a wild stallion in my brain. That's pulling me in seven directions at once. And I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> and <laughs> despite my best intentions of the plans that I've laid, I'm gonna, I'm just going to do the thing that my brain wants me to do. And it all started immediately after we recorded our last episode last week. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> the idea that we talked about of being able to do the automatic video editor, Chris, I did it and it's amazing. The the thing that we were talked about, I think from episode two of like trying to optimize my time for uh, if we record a forty minute episode, trying to trying to get my additional preparing and editing time down to uh, as little as forty minutes as possible. I think I've got it now to about five minutes because my oh awesome. my gosh, it's so cool. Oh oh, it's so cool. Okay, so my, <laughs> to recap, viewers who may be joining us now uh, and uh, didn't listen to last episode. The, the problem of editing this video is uh, we could be easy with it. The, the, from a business perspective, like we could just be uploading the video that's the two of us side by side. That would be perfectly fine. 
for a little higher production quality, I really like being able to switch between three different angles of we have the angle of just me, we have the composite angle of you and me switched together, and we have the third angle of you. And then when I'm talking, we show just me, and then you start talking, and we switch to both of us, and then after three seconds, we switch to you, and we go back and forth like that. Uh, that's what the Joe Rogan podcast does. I, I sort of stole the aesthetic from that. Uh, he has a nice like three-camera setup, so it's, it's a little... Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's about the same uh, in niceness. So I was thinking this is going to be a great opportunity to outsource and hire an editor and practice this thing that in uh, the part-time YouTuber class they're saying to do. But in breaking it down in the last episode, and I was thinking about it a little bit more before that, it's stochastic was the wrong word. Stochastic means like randomly uh, generated. I'm, I'm not sure what word means the opposite of stochastic. It's like a, it's a procedure. It's well-defined. Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a well-defined process of when you do that. And you can do it entirely from just the audio data. Deterministic. deterministic. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's the word. That's the word. So it's a it's an entirely deterministic process that just depends on uh, the the audio levels. So you know, ten minutes after the call, I was like, ah, how hard would this be to get the audio levels? And I found this code from FFmpeg, which like, of course, FFmpeg can do anything. It's just incredibly esoteric. That will output a text file of all of the audio data. Uh, per frame of the video. So for every frame, you just get a number. That's the, the volume level for that frame. So then I just started, ooh, I started chewing of like, okay, well, I could just do this and I need to figure out a way to like cut between the three angles. And so I figured out that and then I'd, I'd slowly massage this into place. And I had an MVP of this in two hours. And I, that that was in two hours. I not only like wrote this program to do it, but I edited the video from last time. So the, the video from last time and the video from this time was done with my editor. The one from last time uh, was done in two hours. The one from this time, I spent a little more time polishing it. This the, In total, uh, the editor that will edit this video was done in 346 minutes, uh, which just feels amazing of like, I have a perfect little machine that's going to do this now. That's going to do it forever. And uh, the the people from Riverside saw your tweet about it from last week and oh, they reached they? out to me and I had a call with them. Uh, it's Nadav Kieson and his brother uh, and CTO Gideon is the, the CEO and CTO. And they were like, wow, what did you do? How did you do that? Can you, can you, can we awesome. see your code? And I, in the moment I was thinking like, okay, like, do I charge them for it or do I try to license it? But like, no, I don't want to be dealing with that. I have so much other <laughs> stuff I want to be doing. I don't want to also manage a, a video production company or like have to maintain this code. So I was just like, yeah, here you go. If you have any questions, let me know. Uh, and it's going to be so much nicer for me if this feature is rolled into your product. Uh, and they were just so excited. <laughs> I think this is, I think this is a problem they've been thinking about, uh, of how to do it. And we were talking about like how I did the the cuts and, uh, you can do it much better if you have the entire video file than if you, uh, are trying to do it live because you can do clever things like, you know, a half a second before you start talking, I switch to you. Uh, so it's, it's this nice video right. cue. Uh, oh my gosh. It, it, like it, it's a better edit than I could make. And it takes none of my time. It's just like the M1 processor chewing on this for a while. It's, Oh, that, that was so exciting. So that, that's how I started this last week. And from there, it just <laughs> tailspun into like, I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh, I got so much done in such a small amount of time. What's another thing I could do? And I started rewriting my blog. I wanted to just like retheme it initially. And then that turned into, I accidentally wrote a new blog engine. <laughs> and of course oh my did. gosh, it's a, <laughs> I, I sort of tongue in cheek say it's a problem. I, I, I don't, I don't actually know if it's a problem uh, philosophically, but uh, several other things that I'll, I'll talk about in my uh, in my update. But uh, I'm, I'm while we're still on the topic of like optimizing for this podcast, I had this dream that we uh, not not just applying to this podcast, but also applying to any sort of video interview in general of 
The only time that I spend on an interview is the time that I'm actually on the interview. The notes are sort of taken care of, or I've, it's just like little drips of time. The scheduling has happened, and that's that's automated scheduling, which could be a person, it could just be Calendly. And then I hit stop, and then that immediately rolls into uh, Riverside can can push files to Dropbox, but I think like in two weeks, they'll have my code integrated in their platform. So then the, my automatic edit is uh, pushed to YouTube. And then I think I would love a human person to go through and like timestamp it. Uh, so that's a, that's a spot where I could easily justify hiring someone. And then I would really like if there was another person who was clipping it and then syndicating those clips. So next month, I'm going to go through an experiment with the social one of the social media managers for Ali Abdal's uh, YouTube channel, Joe Gannon, a amazing young man from the UK, uh, starting a small media company doing this. And so he takes as input your long form videos, and then he will output uh, clips and he'll syndicate them on several different media channels. And it's an experiment. I don't I don't know that like, from a business perspective, I can financially justify this without seeing some return from it. But if nothing else, I would love to see what that whole framework looks like, and then optimize it from there. And it, I talk with him about like, my, <laughs> my uh, uh, compulsion to just automate everything as much as possible. So he's, he's prepared for me going to him one day and being like, Hey, you know, 70% <laughs> of your time is spent on this. And now here's a machine that will do all of that for you. So you can be more effective, not just with me, but with all of your clients that would, that would make me so happy uh so that's what i'm thinking about for this podcast uh and i yeah i i've been thinking about that this week too based on our conversation last time and there's a few things where i think you could really automate nearly everything um although i'm not 100 percent sure um but basically so when you talk about clipping in particular so there, there's a few um channels on YouTube that do this really well. Like Simon Sinek does it now. Um, he has like long form content and then he has like two minute, you know, clips. And really what you're doing when you're clipping is you're trying to find a very interesting, so like either novel or a very kind of unique perspective that's precisely delivered, you know, like in two minutes within a 30 minute video. Um, I think that most of that could be done with AI transcripts of the thing. So automatic transcripts. And then, um, this all came up because I remember this uh, Hacker News post where it was like, submit your Hacker News headline and we'll tell you how likely it is to rank on the front page of Hacker oh, cool. News. And instead of that, you could build something like um, how, 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 uh, what, what, what's the probability that this chunk of text is interesting, where interesting might mean would, you know, get a lot of tweets, right? You, you have to have some deterministic way of figuring this out. Um, but once you do that, then you could have an AI run through your video and say, you know, these, these two minutes are of automatically generated text are, are very highly likely to be interesting uh, and then automatically clip to those two minutes. Um, and then maybe you have a human, you know, review the clips or something. But um, yeah, so you could probably write an AI to do most of that for you, I think. Oh my gosh. That's the one part of this process that I was thinking you absolutely need a human for, but you're totally right. <laughs> you, could just, you could just have an AI look at the transcript. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I think so. I think now you need something to optimize for. And I think if you like digest a lot of tweets, maybe that would do it or digest. Um, I mean, there's there's sentiment analysis. So you could have like interesting as a sentiment mm. and then train on that. Um, but yeah, so you need something to train your AI with. But I think you could. You know what you could do is train it on other people's clips. So you look at all the mm. clips made by the Joe Rogan podcast and by Simon Sinek. And then you could score them based on the number of engagements they got 
you would need to get the transcript again from them and the transcript on those videos is burned in. This is this is too much, but I think that's how you would solve the problem. Uh, I, I think I yeah. draw my line at, at AI, <laughs> but I because like that that labor I think would I think that labor would either be cheap or that's something that I would want to do myself because I'm already like rewatching these episodes and enjoying being reminded of the things that we talked about and having the lessons reinforced and then also critiquing myself of oh I should say um and uh, less. <laughs> And so I think, I think if I just built a system, the way I'm thinking about this right now, if I just built a system that made it as frictionless as possible for me to, when I hear an interesting part of this podcast, mark the in and out, say what the title is and boom. Uh, and then that flows into like a, a buffer style interface. I, I think it's inevitable that I like recode a version of buffer, which I'm upset about, but uh, I was, I was about to say, if you want to make this into a product, you have, um, it automatically slurps, you know, YouTube's channels yeah. videos. Uh, they have some quick keys to cut the yeah. content, and then it automatically distributes it based on some buffer style like thing to Twitter, Instagram, yeah. you know, Facebook, and all the native, you know, um, formats and everything. Yep. Yeah, you could totally turn that into That's a product, and then you can automatically crop it to be square and do that correctly yep. on each one. Yep. And, yeah, and then if you want to get fancy, you can hire a, a writer. Uh, maybe Joe. One of the things that uh, I was talking about Joe with when he's doing this process that I hadn't considered was that the lingo on each of the platforms is slightly different. Like on some of them you use emojis and on LinkedIn, you want to be more professional, but you can use the same video on each one. Uh, so I'm, right. I'm curious if that's worthwhile or if you can get away with just a, a single description and title on, uh, on each one, but that's that any, any <laughs> of those possibilities could be uh, dealt with and managed. Another thing I'd love to do, and this is a very easy win. This is something that, I feel like I could do like another two hour manic sprint is uh, right now I'm uploading this video to two places. I'm uploading it to YouTube and to Transistor and I'm using the same title yep. and I'm using the same description and Transistor is just audio. Uh, Justin Jackson, if you're watching this, I'm about to build a thing <laughs> that uh, if you call me, I'd love to have it rolled into your product. Uh, I just did that with Riverside uh, where YouTube has an RSS feed. I think Overcast, or not Overcast, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Transistor. I think Transistor just listens to the RSS feed from YouTube and then slurps up the audio and then copies the title oh. and copies the description and then boom, now you have a podcast. And now the sales pitch of Transistor is, hey, the best way to have a podcast is to be doing this clipping and video thing. Uh, don't worry about the clipping and video thing. That's that's whatever the <laughs> bullshit Christian's making it's going to turn into. <laughs> uh, but in you know one click, you, you just tell us, point us to your YouTube channel uh, and no additional work from now into infinity after you get it set up, you'll also have an audio podcast. We'll just use the audio from your, your YouTube video. So that's, that's the podcast. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's the update about the, the meta update about what this is going on. <laughs> We've already been talking for 20 minutes about it. Uh, any other, any other thoughts on this? And then I'd, I'd love to dive into your stuff. Uh, no, I mean, I have lots of thoughts, but I, th I think we can save those. Yeah. Uh, it, it's super interesting. I think it could be, it could for sure be like three different products. So I don't know what you want to do with it, but yeah. This is a problem that I have of like, personally, I just love making stuff, you know, we're, we're makers.dev. I'm not, I'm not businessman.business. <laughs> I just, I, more than anything else I do, like, I just love building these systems. And I was talking with my mastermind yesterday about this of like, 
why are you spending your time in this low level uh, $10 an hour work of like editing your own videos when you can just be hiring an editor in the Philippines to be doing it for you. But if I hadn't done that work, I wouldn't have been able to understand the system and break it down into its component pieces and be able to uh, completely systematize it. And I'm, I'm going through sort of a personal struggle right now. Like, what do I want? What's, what's my ideal? You know, if I had just infinite money, I don't know that my day to day would look differently. Like I really enjoyed solving that problem, but you know, I don't, I don't think Elon Musk is doing that. I don't think he's going down and writing code for the motor on a Tesla engine. I think he's working at like a, a higher level of abstraction. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a thing <laughs> that I'm philosophically chewing on and I'm, I haven't quite yeah. settled on that. Yeah. I have a few thoughts there. One is, so in, on Arter product, I think today, Ben Orenstein said, um, like he enjoys marketing actually. And so when he does things like record a podcast, it doesn't feel like work, but he feels bad about that because it's like, he has something deeply ingrained that like work should be hard <laughs> or something, you know, like you shouldn't enjoy yeah. it. Um, which kind of sounds like what you're saying. Like you feel like, you know, like, like right now you enjoy what you do every day. You, you know, as, as long as you're, as you're happy and you're making enough money to keep you happy, then, then I think that's awesome. You know? So, so don't feel bad about that. You know, if you're enjoying what you're doing. Um, the second thing you said about Elon Musk is actually interesting because so he has two things going. One is he wants to get to mm -hmm. Mars. Like he doesn't care how he does it. So that is his driving factor. Yours is different. You want to, create things it sounds like so that's your driving factor which is, is just different the other thing is he actually does do a lot of low-level stuff especially in the early days um and even now like he if you read his biography he is like on the assembly line of tesla like every day trying to figure out exactly how to you know get the you know you know two percent improvement or mm -hmm. whatever and like he knows every single inch of the you know his rockets and he know you know so like he is he's really in in the details um the difference is he spends like over a hundred hours a week working on it, you know? <laughs> so he has the ability to do that and manage the company. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, yeah, like you do what you makes you happy. I think that's, I think that's fine. I like that. I, I feel better. That's a, that's a fair, that's a fair analysis of, uh, that he, he is actually diving in the, in the deeper levels. And I didn't know that he, that he was like on the assembly line level. That's, that's interesting. I think, it, it might be that the thing that I'm struggling with is that I don't have that higher level goal of, I want to go to Mars. And I feel like if I set something like that, it, it would make this more straightforward. Uh, hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's a thought I'm chewing on. I don't have a, I don't have a nice bow to, to put on top of that. Um, okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> we got to get moving. Uh, last week, Chris, you said that you would like to uh, make it so that users can create events and event series and RSVPs and that it will look good. How did you do? Um, I got pretty far there. Uh, we, you can make events and event series. It looks pretty good. I'm using Tailwind CSS, which is awesome. Um, I am fully converted from Bootstrap to Tailwind. Um, Let's see what else you can't RSVP, but only because we decided to sort of change sort of some fundamental things about the, the code. So I have to, I had to rework some of the, the backend. Um, I think it's in a better place now. And we have like a much clearer vision for like, basically this whole partnership with this other person is trying to figure out if it, you know, it, is it going to work? Do we like working together? Is this going to be something that we're going to pursue long-term? Um, 
And so I think we're in a better position to, it's, it's kind of like what I said about optimizing for learning. There's the, the episode title, right? Um, we're learning what this product can be. Can we work on it You know, together? Do we have the right skills to, to make it work? And so um, a lot of what we did this, what I did this week um, was sort of towards the goal of, of an experiment that we could figure out, you know, um, to see if it's working. So I feel really good about that. Um, I also did some work on async.dev. Uh, so I'm using async uh, instead of Slack, working with this other person. Um, uh, we were just going back and forth with email. And so I, I just said, can I set up an async? You know, she reads my tweets, so she knows about it. Anyway, so as soon as I set it up, I was like, I want to share screenshots of what I'm working on. Uh, so I spent a day uh, allowing uh, image uploads to async. Um, so that works now. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I, uh, I think we can use async now for everything that we would use Slack for, which is really interesting. Um, and plus, I still have a million ideas. So yeah, so that was my week. Uh, it, was, it was pretty productive. And I felt good about it. So plus, I painted my office, which <laughs> I've been trying to do for a long time. But did not use drywall body. I have been seeing the screenshots that you've been posting of async.dev. Oh my gosh, your sense of design is superb. It just looks so nice and is so well laid out and is so logical. And oh, the I, it's like candy every time you, you post a GIF and I see it and just like, oh, the, the way you're thinking through the design flows and the, the interactions, it's so nice. Um, so good. Yeah, that's a comp. Thanks, thanks. That's a combination of Tailwind, which makes it super easy to do it, uh, make it super nice. And also because I really intimately know the problem I'm trying mm -hmm. to solve, I like, I'm just making exactly what I want. So like, you know, I want it to work this way. And so I'm going to make it work yes. this way. And um, that, that's one of the benefits of solving your own problem, I think. So fulfilling. And I love that you're dogfooding this with your business partner, because that's, uh, yeah, that that's how you get better on the product. That's a difficulty I think I've had with file inboxes. I haven't really had that problem in a long time of needing to get big files from people. I'm sort of getting it a little bit more now that I'm doing video production, but now I think Riverside has fixed that. So I've, uh, I'm, I'm disconnected from the product. It's not a, it's not a thing that I need anymore. And so uh, <laughs> my, my uh, Mustang in my brain is, is drawn much more to uh, problems that I uh, do have viscerally in front of me. So I, I love that you're doing that. Have you, have you noticed in using it, the feature queue becomes much clearer of you're using it and you want this feature to exist. You want image uploads. And so that's why you implement that next. Yeah. So y yes and no. So some features like image uploads and like the next thing I want to be able to do is um, like single click video or audio or screenshot or like screen capture uploads, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that may be what I do next. Um, but I also have, I've been keeping a list of all the things that I think I wanted to do. And that list just keeps growing and growing. So I don't know what to do about that exactly. But like, there are a million things now that I think I could do. Um, prioritizing that uh, may be tricky, um, especially if I start shifting a lot of my time over to this other uh, community um, work. So yeah, so now I have two projects that I really enjoy working on. And now <laughs> I need to figure out how to spend the time between those That's two. That's the, the TikTok we talked about. I'm curious about your yeah. method of prioritizing tasks to work on. How how do you decide to how did you decide for image uploading that that was the next most important thing to work on? Yeah, that's because I was using it and I wanted to share an image and the and so I could have emailed it to her. I could have started a Slack group, uh, which I didn't really want to do. Um, and so I was like, well, I need to upload an image, so I better 
make that. <laughs> um, so, so that, that was that, uh, the rest of them, like the, the big features, part of it is what I'm going to want to do with it. Part of it is, so, so I know as soon as people start using it, since I'm the user, as soon as people start using it, I know what they're going to ask for because it's things that I'm going to want. Um, this is, and, and it's all pretty obvious things. And some of them are harder and some of them are easier. Um, so, so I'm sort of prioritizing, there, there's a few different frameworks you can use for this generally, but basically like the thing that the most users are going to use and is the easiest, you should probably prioritize that. Um, or, or really that is said another way, if you're trying to sell it, right. The thing that most users are going to be looking for before they buy. So like, I'm not going to buy this unless it has image uploads. Well, you better write the image uploading thing. Um, but beyond that, it's basically like the highest, highest impact, lowest effort. You start there and then and sort of work down the list. Um, and then the second answer is I don't really have a good way <laughs> of prioritizing features. I sort of do what I yeah. want. And, uh, you know, yeah, that was going to be my yeah. follow-up question of, I love the purity and the, the idealism of, okay, well first sort by the impact that the feature would have on your users and then if there's a tie, sort by the easiest features to implement. When I have tried to do that, I just feel like my soul is being crushed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to implement an affiliate program. I want to implement this cool, you know, asynchronous serverless thing because that's the the problem that I'm most interested in. And I suppose that's pointing to that I worthwhile investment of money might be if I'm hiring another developer and then I can give them the tasks that are actually the most impactful and I can still be working on fun stuff, but that's a, that's a whole other set of problems. Uh, so it, it sounds like for images, for image uploading, that, that was a thing that came up that you wanted, that you were excited about in the moment implementing because, okay, well now this is a, a thing that will immediately help you in sending images to your business partner. Uh, and the way you implement it is, oh, it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's so all the little touches and like the rounded corners and oh my gosh, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, if you, so, okay. I'm, I'm curious for the, for the perfect pure method of, uh, sort your features by the impact they would have of features that your users are asking for and then by ease. Do you have that list somewhere? Are you keeping track of those features sorted like that? What, what would, what's yeah. that next feature? That's the, the most impactful and easiest. Yeah. So the way I do it when I'm solo on a project, I just keep a notebook, like a physical pen and paper notebook. That's the way I like to do it. And the it's, um, I don't really like keeping a list that I go keep flipping back to like, so the way I, the way I end up doing it is I write my list and I keep adding to it. I guess there's two ways. Okay. So the notebook way is I write my list and keep adding to it. And eventually I get a couple pages ahead and I've written, like, I also do like designs in this book. I do like, I write out like, um, I also write out like how I'm feeling about each feature and how I'm feeling about the business in general that like helps us. So it's sort of like a, a business journal as well as a to-do list. And then eventually I get a few pages away from my to-do list. And then what I do is I make a whole new to-do list. So I never go back to the old one and I just write down now how, you know, what are the highest priority things? And this is a little bit like the shape, the base camps shape up thing uh, where they say, basically get rid of the feature backlog. Um, basically every few days I'm several pages ahead in my journal. And so I start a new to-do list mm. basically. And I remember the things that are important. So like, because like every day I'm like thinking about them. And so 
I don't have things that are four months old. I have things that are four days old, you know? And so my to-do list is only a few days old ever. And I like that a lot because it, it, it really helps me prioritize the things that I know are important. And so if, if I'm copying something over from a to-do list, you know, like several times, then I know it's important and I haven't done it yet. And so I can prioritize that. Um, yeah, so that, so that's kind of how I do that for solo projects. Um, I also keep like long-term to-do list, like ideas in just the notes app in Apple. So I have like a whole list of blogs, uh, like blog articles I could write. Uh, I have a whole list of future directions. I could take this like future features mm -hmm. that I want to remember, but aren't important enough to go in the four day to-do list. Um, so those are kind of the, that's the short-term and the long-term way I do it. How, how do you do it? Do you just do whatever you feel like? That's what it sounds like. <laughs> no, not, not always. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I keep feature backlogs, which is a holdover, I think, from the uh, David Allen's Getting Things Done system of anytime you have an idea, capture it and then have it flow into buckets. And then anytime you need inspiration or you're, you're looking for a direction to go, uh, you have this wellspring of every thought you've ever had about this topic. And that can be overwhelming because now when I'm looking at the future backlog of things I want to do for file inbox, okay, well, that, that's a thing I've been working on for eight years. There's eight years of all my little drips of feature ideas and directions that I could take the product that are these huge branches that have just been completely ignored. Uh, that then uh, my, my, my creativity just goes in the hyperdrive of like, oh my gosh, we could make a whole new product off this branch. And I've used, I, I haven't read Shape Up yet, I need to. Uh, I've, I've used a similar system to the process you're describing of not keeping the backlog and just rewriting whatever's top of mind in doing my weekly review. I've been, I've been doing goal setting every day and every day I write down the things I want to do for the next eight days. And then when I fill that page, uh, I, I go to a new page and, uh, I, I rewrite all my goals for the month and I still sort of like look back at the goals that I've had, but it's so it's, it's been very interesting seeing how my, uh, compulsions of the things that I want to work on that I'm most excited about change month to month and week to week, because I'll, I'll get possessed by this idea of, oh man, you know what I really need to do? I need to, I need to buy an Arduino and make a pull-up counter and it's going to beep and it's going to have all these, and anytime I go up, it's going to have a little uh, uh, sensor that's the proximity sensor. And I will get so excited about that on the day that I have it. And then a week later, like, I don't care. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's just, <laughs> it's not even a thing on my radar. Uh, and seeing the projects that are able to push through that I'm still excited about them week to week makes it clear the ones that are bubbling to the surface that are actually important. And so I haven't, I haven't connected those two systems yet. I have, I have my one system of, okay, for projects, I, have, I keep track of to-dos and I just keep track of every to-do idea I've ever had for that. And I've seen a lot of success in this short-term goal setting of doing more of the, have a higher filter on those ideas and, and, uh, only do the ones that you're excited about, um, excited about in the, in the long term. I would like to systematize connecting those two ideas. I, I still want to be collecting and, uh, storing all the ideas that I have. I think those are all potentially useful things, but I don't want that to get me distracted when I'm in worker mode. I, I'm, I'm missing a little piece of like, okay, maybe, I don't know, maybe once a month, I read 
every idea I've ever had. And then from memory, I write down, you know, five things that I'm interested in pursuing for the next month. Uh, and then, I don't know, maybe maybe day to day or week to week, I pick one uh, from that. The problem is I, I never really have the problem of not having something to work on. I always have an idea for a, a thing I could be doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so maybe this is more a, a problem of uh, prioritizing the work that I'm doing, that, that prioritizing those features should look like that I'm going through some sort of a, a matrix hierarchy of, okay, these are probably the ideas that have the most benefit. And then I'm, I'm lifting those up instead of just letting enthusiasm guide what I'm doing. Those are my thoughts around that. That's, that's my, my not quite fully formulated system. Uh, I'm excited to rewatch this episode in like a year and have the perfect system of, <laughs> Oh, uh, you were just that's... missing this piece to, to move from one step to the other. Yeah, I think that's a little bit about what you said was a little like shape up. So it'd be interesting if you read it. Um, it's like, you know, they basically decide what they're going to do for six weeks. And then during those six weeks, they're, you know, not distracted. They finish the things that they said they were going to do. Um, I also, so I rewatched something by Michael Seibel, who was, or maybe still is the CEO of Y Combinator. Um, so he said when they were at Justin TV, they did terribly at this at the beginning they, so they were four people and they just fought about features for a long time. And eventually they, they stumble upon, so s sorting by priority, well, by impact and ease of, um, development. So that was one thing. And then the second thing was they had meetings every two weeks, every two weeks they had one meeting, they decided what they were going to do for two weeks. And then they didn't, and then they did that. <laughs> like they didn't make any changes no matter what happened in those two weeks. And then that during the next meeting, they could talk about all the ideas that they had you know, and then they set another two week goal. Um, and maybe, you know, that's different because you're solo, you don't have a team, but you know, you could say like, I'm going to work on this. I, so I say that, but as soon as I say that, I'm like, but you're probably going to get a good idea, like editing this, you know, changing this video or editing this video with FFmpeg and just want to do it. So I don't know, maybe, you know, during certain hours, <laughs> you only do the things that you decided on a week ago or something like that. I, I don't know. Yeah, I like that. And I've seen huge benefit from using that system of tying yourself to the mast going month to month in the, in the moments when I feel this compulsion to like, ah, this whole different direction. I've started a, a, a loose rule for myself. I've broken it a few times of I can only, I can only change my goals for next month. I can't change them for the month I'm currently in. The month that I'm currently in, those goals are right. set. Those are the things I'm working on for this next month. And then as soon as I finish those, as soon as I move into the next month, okay, well now I pick my top goals from the, the goals that were jumping on all, all over the place. And now those are those are set, those are frozen. And if I have a new idea, okay, great. I can I can do that for next month. I think the problem that we're touching on is uh, I'm, I'm sort of working through this with conflicting motivations. On the one hand, I would like to be growing my business and uh, doing things that are the most impactful, that are helping my users the most. And on the other, it's very important for me to be enjoying the work that I'm doing. And uh, I, I loved the project of uh, making the, the automated video editor. That was just, I was completely in flow. It was just delightful. I had a, this great call with the founders this morning where they were so impressed and my ego was like, oh. I'm such a good coder. Uh, optimizing for the work is very different than optimizing for business success. 
for the people working on Justin TV, they have a team. There's a boss. The boss is deciding the direction to, to go in. The boss is not principally concerned with if his engineers are having a good time or working on work that they feel the most passionate about. The, the CEO's job is to set the direction of the ship that's going to make the ship go the fastest and furthest. And that's a conflict I'm feeling of. I am the CEO driving the ship. That's a thing that I want to be optimizing for. And also, I am the person doing right now most of the work. And I don't yet have a, a, a way of formalizing how to balance those two motivations. I think I tend to slip into optimizing for fun work and I'm getting better at setting a higher level direction and doing work, even if it's not the most exciting, just, just getting started and doing the work. Uh, horribly failed on that this last week. <laughs> and oh my <laughs> gosh, it was such a fun week. I got so many fun little stupid projects done. <laughs> um, yeah. That's the, that's the yeah thing I'm grappling with. Yeah, I don't have a good answer. I mean, you're in a unique position where a file inbox, you know, seems like it pays your bills and you don't have to do that much upkeep. So that's, that's just a super nice position to be in. Um, I have a similar position in that I, so I, I saved up money while consulting this year so that I could build my own products. Right. And so I have some, I have runway now and I, I don't want to waste it, but I also want to optimize for being, you know, happy in what I'm <laughs> coding. And so, um, I don't know. I, I don't have the solution either. Let's continue to explore this problem together on future episodes sounds, of makers.dev. Sounds great. Uh, I am going to go through my update uh, swiftly. We, we've we been great. chatting for an unusually <laughs> yeah. long amount of time. Uh, something that I did do that was a goal that I set last week was interview the sign printers. I set those up and have my great system of like they book and just go directly on my calendar. Uh, I had three interviews booked. I talked with two of them, uh, and one of them from a failure on my part, I just, I let customer support emails totally drop, uh, this last week. So I, I could have done more of those calls, uh, if I'd been on the ball with that, but the, the two interviews that I had were great. And I, I have a much clearer picture of, uh, who sign printers are. I talked with two of my customers, George and Edward, who have been my customers for like years for like six or seven years. And I got, <laughs> I got this fantastic persona description from one of my customers of who the type of person is, who does sign printing. First of all, they said, there's this there's this schism between people who do sign printing who are more legitimate and there's t-shirt printers. He said, sign printers are usually people who have started another business and this is just like a side thing for them. And he told me his own personal story. He had uh, a, a vape shop that he started and he got a quote for some signs. He wanted to do a whole bunch of signs for marketing. And he uh, was aghast at the prices that they were charging him. And so he Googled how much the printer was that he was gonna uh that that would print one of these signs and it was forty thousand dollars and uh in in his oh, words man. he went yeehaw cowboy and just bought it <laughs> and uh and then he has a sign printer so he was able to print all his signs but you know you have a 40 dollars sign printer you're gonna you're gonna use it so he spun up another website and uh now print signs for people um and the the second person I talked to uh, seems like they print signs sort of as a secondary piece of their business, and it's it's more focused on marketing. 
so uh, I'm, I'm very interested in these as people. They seem very entrepreneurial and uh, uh, very systems oriented and very interested in uh, making processes more efficient. And, you know, that's what I'm all about. Uh, so it <laughs> seems pretty cool. Maybe. Oh, and uh, the, so contrasting with T-shirt printers, uh, T-shirt printers are people who were in a band and uh, printed some t-shirts for their band <laughs> and then the band failed but they're still printing t-shirts out of their garage so uh maybe maybe not t-shirt printers uh maybe sign printers uh and had a bonus call that was just a support call of a vice principal of a school in toronto who had emailed me and and uh signed up for my uh, $100 a month plan and emailed me like four times in an hour uh, asking about spe a, a specific question of how to get something uh, set up in the product. And I answered his question a little bit, but then emailed back and was just like, let's, let's hop on a call because we can sort this out. And I felt amazing <laughs> during that call because it, <laughs> it was like, it was like I was inside of a commercial for file inbox. The, he he like explained who he was and the problem he was having and all the things that he tried and all the all the questions uh for conducting a user interview uh he was just giving me the answers for those and then uh he he had one problem and he was very polite about like i'm trying to get it to do this thing and i was like oh yeah you do it like this and he just went on for like 30 seconds about oh the secretaries are gonna love you oh this is amazing <laughs> he just, his face lit up so i i felt so cool i felt like hey i'm i'm doing a thing you know i'm not i'm not an investment banker just moving money around i'm helping people's lives and i'm i'm making some secretaries in toronto very happy uh so that was very cool uh, small aside, really cool. I was struggling to figure out who the microconf talk recap, uh, who, who had given that speech uh, in the last episode. <laughs> you very yep. politely did not say anything. Uh, it was you. <laughs> it, was, it was your talk I was referencing. Uh, yeah, as, as soon as you said that last time, I thought it might be my talk, but there there have been several talks given about how to conduct user interviews, yes. and mine was just one of them. Yes, so, yes. Uh, yeah. A second one that I also looked at the notes of, uh, talking about Oh my gosh. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, but there's, there's a few good talks on this. Uh, also reread part of the mom test and, uh, Oh, what a, what a great book. I need to reread that like once every six months. Um, what else? There's a few more, uh, interviews that I want to be doing. Um, I, I'm really enjoying the free form nature of these conversations. They're just sort of holistically understanding these people better. I have approached user interviews in the past with a list of questions and trying to set them up for giving me answers of like, oh, how do you find products? And uh, what, did, what did you consider before this? And that felt so uh, stilted, but that's what I was doing because I, I didn't really know what else to do. And with these two calls that I had, I went in just very genuinely, uh, I'd like to get to know you better. And uh, we talked a lot about File Inbox and uh, in the beginning of the conversation, I think they were expecting that I wanted to know a lot about that, but then it drifted into, oh, how are you? And how's your family? Like, what, what else are you doing? Uh, very interesting people. They're very cool. <laughs> I feel like I've, I've made two new friends. Uh, I have an open invitation to go stay with this dude on his couch in, uh, I think he's in North Carolina <laughs> uh, and just hang out. So like, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, I'd, I'd like to be taking customer interviews much more uh, chill and just like picking up information. And as part of that process, just by being sort of relaxed about it and letting the conversation flow naturally, I got four killer feature ideas of like, of course I need a mobile app that has sharing enabled so that you can share a file from any app. Uh, that makes so much sense. The, uh, of course that's the thing I need to do. Uh, credit card payments came up naturally that that was a thing that uh, one of my customers suggested 
would be a killer feature because that's a thing that they're struggling with is in, in this flow. Uh, the way they phrased it specifically was when they have a customer on the phone, uh, they need to get graphics from them and they would love to uh, accept payment right then. So if he could send them a link that was both of those things at the same time with this sort of weird vector graphics format of uh, a huge file, uh, that's striking while the, while the iron's hot. And he said, if, if you let it go and if you're trying to do this over email, uh, it gets cold and then they, they forget about it and then they don't want their sign anymore. So anything I can do to, to get that ball rolling and, and get it done as quickly as possible is uh, that would meaningfully move the needle on the, the business value that, that this is creating. So my hunch last week of uh, maybe I accept payments, that might be a direction that I go in. Uh, I'm, I'm hesitant to make that a move. But that's uh yeah, yeah that, those are my those are my insights from my two customer interviews. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you said a ton of great stuff in there. Um, so pay, payments, I think, yeah, the closer you get to money transacting, the the more you can charge, or the 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 more you know, real visceral value that your product will have. Um, so yeah, like Stripe has Stripe Connect. I don't know if you've seen mm -hmm. that, but that's a way that you could do payments. Um, that maybe move the risk off of you and onto Stripe, for example. Yeah. Um, so there's other ways as well, but um, you also, like one thing, I, I can't remember uh, where I heard this, but like even business to business software is not bought by businesses. It's bought by people at businesses. And so I think your approach, like going in, just like having a chill conversation with like these people, especially entrepreneurial, like, you know, solo or, or small businesses, um, like really just getting to know the people is like super valuable. It is fun and also super valuable because the, the software is bought by them. It's not, you know, some corporate entity mm -hmm. deciding it you know um so yeah i think i think that's a great way to do especially small business customer interviews just like just have a conversation um yeah i think i think that's really a good way to do it it felt much better too i'm like i'm looking forward to the next sort of call that i would have like that and the the way that i was doing customer interviews before it felt like work it felt like okay, we're both putting our business hats on and we're, <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing personal going on here. Uh, but like, I, I found out all about, uh, one of my customers, uh, 11 year old dachshunds that he got from his girlfriend who got it from her ex-husband and he told me the whole story of the dog and <laughs> how the dog is like that's delightful i don't know that it it directly uh feeds into like actionable things for file inbox and that's okay I, i'm i'm i've i've deepened my conversation with the person i've i've made a new friend uh and in the process of doing that uh, incredibly valuable from a business perspective uh that was the conversation where he uh gave me the idea for having a native app that that uh shares which like of course what a, what an obvious idea uh, i love it um, cool. That's, that's pushing forward on the file inbox front. Uh, the only reason I got anything done on file inbox this week, by the way, is that I tied myself to the mast. Like these were interviews that were scheduled. <laughs> the, the ball was already put yep. in motion. Uh, let's go rapid fire a little bit through some of the other shit I did this week. Uh, <laughs> I made the automatic video editor. That was 346 minutes over the last week. There's a board game called Cashflow that is like a version of Monopoly where everyone can win. That's all about real estate. It's the board game version of the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, I spent 160 minutes. There's this very complicated form that you have to fill out. And uh, it, it's the, the uh, balance sheet 
And anytime you want to do a transaction in the game, it takes like six minutes and all this math and you got to flow numbers all the way through. So the whole time I've, I played this game a few times this last week with uh, housemates uh, and on a, on a date, <laughs> it was a great date. It was so much fun. Uh, and so I, oh, let's come back. Oh, there we go. So I put 160 minutes into uh, making this as a Rails app or a, uh, a React app, and it was it was so much fun. <laughs> it was just itching <laughs> at my brain every single time I filled out the numbers. I was thinking, oh my, this this could just be a React function, and this is a view. And uh, so I did it. And, oh, it was it was great. Uh, I redesigned my blog uh, and accidentally wrote blog engine. Uh, this is a thing that's been itching at my brain for the last decade that I finally did. And it's so nice to just know every single piece of it and not have to pull up the Jekyll documentation of, okay, I'm trying to do this weird thing. And I don't know, is it a page or is it a post? Uh, it's Ruby code. And I take, it's markdown files over here and here's the function that processes them. And here's how that flows. And then it generates HTML over here. Oh, it's so nice. Uh, in the process of doing that, I wanted to use Tailwind because Tailwind is amazing. Uh, I had to implement the post CSS, uh, parser that, that minifies the tailwind. I yep. understand that so much better now. I, it, it's just doing a regex, regex expression for things that could be class names and then stripping out any of the classes that don't uh, do that. So uh, while doing this, oh, it's it's just such a bespoke, just beautiful. I feel like it's a it's a reflection of me. It's a it's a blog that I'm so proud of. And the, the one I have right now is uh, dated. I, I uh, redesigned it, I think, maybe maybe five years ago. Uh, I am so proud of this new one. It's it's a custom font that's oh it's this monospace font that's the font that I use everywhere. And, oh my gosh, it's it's just <laughs> ooh, it's so nice. I love it. Makes probably no sense from a financial or business perspective, but it just made me so happy. Uh, so I spent two hundred and ninety three minutes on that last week. Uh, the pull up counter Arduino project that I mentioned. Uh, that's oh, that was that's a, real a real thing. thing. This, all the parts are sitting on my desk right now. Uh, <laughs> I awesome. want to work on it so badly and there's so much that's, that's my reward after I do all the things I, I uh, need to do today. Uh, and then I spent 43 minutes, uh, polishing up there. There were two feature requests that my magician friend had for, uh, the, uh, a, a magic app that I made for him, uh, that I'm, I'm very happy. I was able to polish that out in, uh, 43 minutes. And then, uh, total on file inbox last week was. 130 minutes, but that was mostly spent on, uh, not but, and that was mostly spent on the interviews. A thing that I'm thinking about in doing these time audits of myself is a question that came up yesterday in my mastermind group of thinking about spending my time on $10 an hour versus $50 an hour versus $200 an hour activities. I'm thinking much more critically about what were the, what were the places that I spent my time last week that were $200 an hour activities that, that I'd like to be optimizing for. And where are the places that I can be pushing out more work? I found out as part of doing this class, do you know how much it costs? I'll take your, your random ballpark figure to hire a full-time employee, uh, from the Philippines working 40 hours a week for 52 weeks. Your figure last week was $2 an hour. That's probably pretty close. But... $2 an hour. Uh, so I think the, the rule is uh, you double it and then add three zeros. So that would be uh, $4,000 a year. Is that, is that about right? Uh, yeah. It's double that. It's $8,000. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> for, for a human person working, I don't know how I would fill that person's time, but that sure is a thing I'm thinking about of uh, the, the places 
anytime now I'm doing something that I don't want to be doing, or I feel like is a thing that doesn't quite make sense for me to outsource to a computer uh, to, to totally formalize that system that I'm not enjoying this. I feel like I could instruct a person to do it. I've, I've, I've bumped down my threshold of tolerance for those things. Now I'm, I'm trying to catalog those. Uh, have you experimented with that? Have you tried a personal assistant? Uh, I, I think I asked you a question about this last week. Uh, yeah, no, I, so it was a big thing at microconf a few years ago. And so I looked into like VAs and stuff. Um, so, uh, no, is, is the answer. <laughs> like there, there are things that I think I, I don't do things often enough that are repeatable enough that I would need a VA for. Also, I'm not, I'm not like an executive, so I don't like, I don't have things like, I don't book a lot of travel. Yeah. I don't, I don't do a lot of things that are like that repeatable. Yeah. Um, and also I, I kind of like doing things myself. Like I'm, I'm soundproofing my own stupid office, you know, <laughs> like I don't, you know, I could have paid someone probably two grand to come in and do it. Um, uh, probably more than that, I guess, but you know, but instead I did it myself. Yeah. Right. So that's sort of my, like, like how I operate. Cool. Um, that, that resonates with me a lot. I think I'm, I'm struggling to find that balance. I feel like, I feel like I could be outsourcing more things. And I still recognize within myself that I enjoy doing things myself. I'm, I'm going to love every second of working on this pull up counter project. Uh, it's like Legos, but you get a useful thing at the end. Yeah. And there are physical things that I enjoy doing. Uh, I would love to figure out drywall. That, that seems like a, that's a thing I want to be good at. Uh, I'm, I'm going to use that drywall, drywall. putty. I'm going to, I'm going to make it nice and smooth in the middle. Uh, yeah. All right. Cool. That, that's all I got. Yeah. Well, and like, like you said, if you would have tried to pay someone to do our video editing, it would have taken you probably two hours to figure out how to pay someone to do it and explain yeah. it. Um, and in that time, you wrote something that'll do it for yeah. you. So there's always that tension, you know, like the thing that you thought took you a lot of time actually led to something that is going to take way less time and zero dollars. Yeah. So maybe you doing the drywall leads to you making a robot that <laughs> just solves drywall for everyone in the future. <laughs> it's a little, little yeah, drywall. Right. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, you see the people who are good at drywall. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos before I did it. That's pretty much how I learned everything now. And the people who are good at it are really good at it. Like, it, like there, there is a drywall robot, actually. Um, I think it's out of Germany or something. Oh. And um, it takes much longer and costs more money than just hiring people to do it. And maybe eventually it doesn't. But the, the people who do drywall are just really good at <laughs> drywall. Yeah. Cool. Huh. You've got me curious now. I want to be a person good at drywall. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Uh, cool. That's uh, that's all I got. That's all I got, too. Then I will see you next week. Goodbye. All right. See you next week.